Abe here, and I wanted to let you know that if you're able, you can upgrade your small beans skill over at patreon.com slash small beans. Here's why you should do that. If you pledge five measly beans a month, you get access to about half our podcasts that you don't get if you're just listening to the free feed. Shows include Star Trek The Next Futurama, Spielboys, Like Razor Blade Pie, and bonus episodes of I'll Show You Mine If You Show Me Yours. Not to mention bonus content, including info and updates on the movie we're making, Papa Bear. Hey, where's all the reasons to not subscribe to Patreon? I can't find them. Anyway, back to the show. everyone and welcome back to like Razorblade pie for another round uh i'm your intrepid adventurer michael swaim and this is a bite-sized book club about the short speculative fiction of harlan ellison my favorite author of all time as usual i'm joined by a guest to go into a harlan ellison short story but this time uh there's several i threw several monkey wrenches into the machine one uh, people trying to read along, you probably couldn't find this story, and I'm sorry about that. Uh, I plan to upload a PDF of me taking crappy pictures with my phone of every page that you can look at if you're really desperate. But the reason it's so hard to find is that it is from a collection called Dream Corridor. If you are willing to pay for a physical copy, it's Harlan Ellison's Dream Corridor, Volume 1. There were only two. And they're adaptations by various artists, it's an anthology series, of some of Harlan's own handpicked, his favorite stories, or ones he thought were, you know, perfect for adapting or paired well with the artist. Uh, And huge, hugely seminal for me, because as a young child, I was more drawn to comics than reading, reading, as many of us are. And so this was potentially one of the very first ways that I was exposed to Harlan's kooky tone and ideas and crazy some of them great twists some of them like well you tried that was hot garbage but it was very loud Uh, and we'll see which category today's story falls into maybe you can guess just from the title it's called Catman. (laughs) and for an author who i think does some of the best titles in the business like the executioner of malformed children don't you just you're like well i have to read that Catman, not as good um Probably a deconstruction of Batman. Yeah, good. If you guessed that, you were right. So to dig into it with me are two of my pals, Stephen Wright and Chase Stoll, the writers and writers for and co-creators of Impossible Worlds, a magazine my stories have appeared in, for which I'm very grateful because they also pair them with awesome illustrators. There's been two issues out so far. Look for issue three, you guys, Impossible Worlds. Welcome, Stephen and Chase. Hi, guys. Hey, how we doing? Hello. First, Stephen Spake, and then Chase. That's... So now they hopefully, yeah, can clock your voices. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks for being here, guys. Um, I'm going to dive right into format because it's how we do on this show. Mm-hmm. And also because I think it's very, very obvious and we'll kick off the conversation well. Um, but why do you think I paired this story with you? I mean, uh, gee, I mean, it's, you know, our first pod with you so i guess trial by fire but um no uh actually i think it it, it really is just like this is our wheelhouse we are making comics we are making uh uh short uh science fiction and we're also trying to get more out there from other people so uh yeah but then also i think on, on my end because you initially uh, pitched this one to, to just me uh, and then chase snuck aboard uh <laughs> I was available. Way to throw yeah. him under the pod. But. <laughs> I will. I will always do that. Uh, but he, uh, there, there is a level of I. I'm a big old Trekkie from way back, and I think that Points. this has a uh, a bit of uh, sort of the inverse flavor of like the utopian dystopia, as opposed to a true utopia, which is what Star Trek and other things like that are. And I see a lot of. Uh, of those things in Har- in Harlan as well, just like wanting to deconstruct the utopia in general, and I think that comes through this. I believe we're, or I believe we're also. I've listened to enough of these pods that we're legally required to infer that you hate us. <laughs> 
based off of this. And when everybody else says it, they're wrong. But I think this time... <laughs> it really is a heartfelt hatred. Well, good news, bad news. I don't have a robust enough relationship with either of you right. to truly hate you, <laughs> at least for like a real reason. So it wasn't purely out of spite, um, but it is, of course, because the uh, you know the main thing we've connected over is Impossible Worlds. Again, that's Impossible Worlds. Check them out. And uh, I oh, you call this sci-fi, but I want to point out also fantasy. Yes. So I'd say it covers the whole speculative rainbow, yeah. and also explicitly, uh, you guys have a soft spot for comics. There's a comic in the first issue, and you told me right before we taped there shall be a comic in the third issue. So it's it's right in line. Um, I'll be honest, it could have been any of the of the you know episodes in dream corridor one or two so then like why catman specifically and i think i'm gleaning your impressions of catman by the hate comment um hmm maybe i picked bad but it's because it's a deconstruction of batman who i feel is you know top two most iconic comic characters and it's the most of the art in the book it's the most trying to be traditional I mean, this came out in the 90s, so it feels a lot more like Todd McFarlane, like edgy spawn mm -hmm. art almost than, you know, that era of comics. But it's trying to be a legit comic look, whereas a lot of the other ones are more experimental, right? Watercolors or Dave McKeon, who, if you know his art, uh, he did like Stinky Cheese Boy and a lot of oh, yeah. game covers. Mm -hmm. He's just like collages and stuff. Yeah. So a lot of them, as you might expect, are really weird. This one is like a comic comic. Um, so I thought it would allow us to talk about comics as a vehicle for speculative fiction. Um, but it sounds like you guys didn't enjoy this I, story. I'm the well, one that actually enjoyed it. So I'll put oh, that out. Okay, yeah. well, <laughs> yeah. let's dive into this and I'll I'll let you guys figure out who fields which part. But like, what was the story about in a nutshell? Because really, people won't be able to read it because it's pretty complex for like an eight page thing. It's I want to point out. That. And you can feel free to color that with your opinion. Is it dumb? Is it cool? But like, what's it about? I will point out that the number of episodes of this podcast that you shit talk people for not reading it first, and then you present mm -hmm. this impossible to find. Because I I did read the comic as presented, but I also managed to get my hands by the power of library on the actual prose before. I huh? realized, yes. So um, I have the, only a little bit to add from the pros end of it, just because the-, I, the Could you shout out what collection that's in? Just oh, so folks can find it. Uh, oh, no idea? Yeah, I had to do some shenanigans to get it. So it's, oh. yeah. <laughs> Somewhere there's a librarian tied up in a closet with all the clothes <laughs> Exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't, you know, it was not my local library, but as far as they're concerned, that's true. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, gotcha. So I okay. Because I was, I was curious of how much was a, yeah. of this was a straight adaptation, and it turns out, yeah, it's pretty one to one with a few notable exceptions. Uh, yeah, because if I didn't reread the prose for this, um, but I of course have read it before, and I remember the dialogue being pretty much yeah, just straight identical. dead on, yeah, uh, including like text yeah. box and things like that. Uh, Steve, I mm -hmm. think you had written down a summary. So if you don't mind. Yeah, I've got that. Yeah, let's yeah, now that we've uh, gone around the the whole loop mm -hmm. again. Uh yeah, so uh Catman is Ellison's take on a superhero story through the lens of a futuristic utopian society or is it uh wherein a hero <laughs> slash cop father is pitted against his arch villain slash son while both deal with their cartoonishly shrew like wife slash mother in that order. Uh also the reason the son is in conflict with his in conflict with his father comes down to the fact that society has forbidden certain acts, particularly that the son wants to plow a computer as hard as he can. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think that, yeah. yeah that, in a that, nutshell, that's what happens. In, yeah. In, in well, some. yeah. <clears throat> and because we just, in case you're being timid about spoilers, I want to drive home the ending. Uh, the Catman chases the sun multiple times through the city while the sun realizes that he's lost all interest in human sex, gives himself over to this cyborg cult that's illegal, but you get to fuck a computer, but it like de-evolves you, I guess we'll get into it. Um, but this means he can never be in normal society again. Dad's like, no, no, please, no, son, no, in the way you'd expect a father to be. The son does become a 
a computer humping troll. That is his, as is his right. And, um, and we see that the father is like sitting, brooding a la Bruce Wayne, his soul crushed. But the twist, if you'd call it that, is just that the narrator, Harlan, t- straight up tells us uh, he didn't actually care for his son very much. Right. I don't care for Joe. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. He was not a fan of his son. He really loved the horrible shrew wife. And the only reason he wanted to catch his son is because it's what she wanted. And the uh, son, as his last act before going into the computer, kills the wife thinking that he's freeing his father from this horrible life of this true wife. When in fact the dad's like, now I hate you forever, son, that wife, the wife was who I really loved, even though she like yells at me. I like that, I guess. Yeah. He's into <laughs> that's, I mean, that's the thing is that this is a weird one because I, I don't even know if I would say the son wants to be, de- is going to like be de-evolved. I think what's going on is what the internet calls gooning. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I do love the detail. I think that's a cool sci-fi detail that these cyborgs people that bone the computer are named after like the day or time of the week that they get their turn to bone the computer. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Because it's, yeah. sing- it's a singular thought for them, which is... Uh, it's their only thing in, right. that they exist for, right. yeah. Um, Very similar to the Futurama with Lucy Lubot. In concept, at least. So yeah. wait, are you saying you don't think he'll become one of those cyborg well, I guys? Think, I think he will become one of the cyborg things because the computer is like devouring you as you ah. continue to have repeatedly have sex with it. So that the troll that we actually meet, who's all cyborgy, his body has been destroyed over time by this. Which is why... <laughs> Hashtag nofap. Right. Yeah, this is a nofap thing. Right. So this is... Maintain your uh, essence. I mean, that, it, what's weird is that there is a lot of stuff in this that is like, this is kind of one-to-one to modern internet, because there's, oh, yeah. the, uh, in, a, in a weird yeah. way. Uh, I definitely was glad I wanted to get there. Go, yeah. Uh, like, early in the story, that when the when uh, Neil, who is the son, is, like, uh, doing his cat burger thing, which is the other thing that kind of bugs me, is that he's more of a cat than his dad. And in, in fact, Total, I, yeah. I would argue but they treat him like a ninja, but you're like, but you're like a cat. Who well, could that's jump the around? weird Who thing. Could is teleport. That we forgot to say I he would, could teleport. Oh, we yeah. yeah, we should say he's a slim build ninja who can teleport, much like a cat. Right. And his dad is a big yoked guy who is slow moving like in tanky. But the reason he's called Catman is he fights using robotic big cats. Yeah, that's like that's where the title comes from. But, but yeah. not just a cat, though. He also has a, a like a hawk. So oh, and a hawk. So he should be the Animal Man, the but Animal yeah. Man is already a thing in DC Comics. Right. So he I don't even think animal. that this this isn't even accurate, but also <laughs> his outfit is more reminiscent of Judge Dredd. Meets Craven the Hunter. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah, I Judge I, Craven. <laughs> I, it really doesn't seem like a Batman deconstruction all that much, so much as it is closer to a deconstruction of of a Judge Dread type comic or other things like that, but it's not even de- deconstruction at that point. It's just what those were a little bit. Um, but yeah, th- with the with the internet comparison, early in the in the story, he is like watching people in a house in an apartment that he is going through to uh, steal the the secret juice or whatever, and they the the line that they they where they mention it is that the women are entwined together through this VR sleep pod and mm-hmm. the men are singing in soprano. And the first thing I was like, okay, so the women are having sex in VR and the men are either watching or there is uh, some unrelated karaoke party going on. Right. <laughs> just like, it, like, I mean, that's the thing that I think they might be VTubing, you know, with the voice changer that's, a little bit. This mm-hmm. is the one bit of, the prose that I wanted to drop in because it's what it gets excised in the comic, I think for a very specific reason, because Harlan describes the women being intertwined. Soy, soy, I think is he, he uses the French word for 69. Cause I'm, I encountered it mm-hmm. and I went, what is this word? And it came up as uh, French for 69. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> okay. They're doing something very nice. specific. <laughs> bon. but yeah somehow didn't make the jump to the actual comic adaptation i 
Not sure why. Because there's there's a tit. Yeah. There's tits in there. So it's not um, like they were being Yeah, prudish. she tweaks her nipple with her long fingernails while she threatens him with sex. Because that's a recurring theme is like sex is like the sun can't get hard for human women. Right. And the dad, she the the way in which the wife is a shrew is that she has sex with him and he hates that. It's a very which is such a weird offer, but it's fascinating to me. It's a very as kind like of a trope. I, I yeah. mean, like he he look he looks like a GI Joe. You know, he's just like or like Juggernaut, right? He's just yeah. Honey, I am smooth down there. This does nothing. <laughs> yeah, but it's a it's the idea of sort of depiction depicting a sort of semi post taboo society, right? Where it's just like, yeah, sex is casual. It's sort of like, you know, people are bonobos now where it's just like, uh, you know, a handshake. Because he meets like, uh, right. Neil meets with the ex in one scene. They bang. But for him, it doesn't mean anything. And she's like, just what? as a casual thing. Yeah. But yeah, and so, so, they, so she... and she says, don't get splinters in your cock. <laughs> That's true. Meaning metal when splinters. When you fuck a robot. <laughs> yeah, don't get metal splinters. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's important I feel like there is a thematic connection there. So just so it doesn't seem like a cavalcade of nonsense, like you say, between the idea of, uh, you know, it's, it's not like untrodden territory, like how we would stagnate given everything that you ever want or need. So it's a post need society. Therefore sex has become boring post taboo, but it's also a post need society in which the reason this, his son is robbing shit is purely for thrills. Like you can't, there's no value. Everything's free. Uh, and so like the only, I get those as commentary. What I don't get, but I hope is true is why in the future, the police will be like robotic animal handlers. But that's, I hope. I mean, like I, that I like the idea that the cops are kind of like wrestlers. So, because we never see any other cops. We have no evidence that anyone else does this. This is just his thing. But they explicitly say that this is the official sanctioned police force of this world, mm -hmm. which forces you to try and make some sense of this. Well, like, system. but no, but yeah. I want there to be like, oh, the, he's a cat guy, but there's also like a snake guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. And there's like, the like dynamo. But the reason yeah. he still has a hawk is because you still need to be able to reconnoiter because cats mm -hmm. aren't really... You can't really do that with a tiger, you know? Yeah. So you're suggesting I like the hawk is think, mandatory. Uh, cat's option. Yeah. yeah I, was, I think the hawk is his like partner that's a bad fit in the buddy comedy <laughs> right. that we're not... You know, that is from his point of view. Right. This is just like his wacky first day with hawk partner. Right. Uh, I want to know before we dive into the look, which I do want to talk a little bit more about... Mm -hmm. um, I should ask this at the beginning, but what's your historical uh, fuck withedness with Harlan Ellison? Do you have you read a lot of Harlan Ellison slash have you liked what you've encountered? So the first one that I ever read was Jeffy was five and I was mm -hmm. like 10. Uh, like I, I <laughs> Stevie uh, was 10. Yeah. Uh, so I, I read that one and then I've read. Uh, I have no mouth. Th those were like the two that I read as a kid that my dad just had in the attic in a, in like different collections. Um, and I didn't really do much else, but I had seen one of the first ones that you covered on here, which was the teleplay with Danny Kay. Uh, oh yeah. Paladin of the Lost Hour. Yeah. I had seen that one because like my, uh, my dad, he's a TV engineer. And so he would bring home a lot of old movies and stuff. And so we we got big into Danny Kaye stuff and just uncovering oh. everything that he ever did. And that was one of the things that we just found uh, online years later. So that was like back in like 2008 or something mm -hmm. like that. Like, dislike? I, I like, I, like, I have a soft spot for Danny Kaye. So like for, for that yeah. one specifically, even though I know it's not as good, I, I, I still like that one. Uh, the other two, I also enjoy... A lot. Diff D's five was like really big for me at that point. Like I mm. liked it, but I wasn't at that stage where I under because I was so young, I didn't understand the concept of you know this guy's probably written more than one thing, right? <laughs> oh right, right, right. It's <laughs> just no effort to like spread out or explore more. Right. It's just like at well, your local library. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully this podcast 
sparks a fire within you, but probably Catman was not the right kindling. <laughs> Chase, you yeah. fuck with Harlan much? I thought I was more familiar until I looked into what he actually did, and I was like, oh, I don't know any of this. Uh, I thought he was a race car. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I got it mixed up with the guy that uh, wrote like Invisible uh, Man and, and all that. I was like, nope, oh, that's a dip. who is Ellison. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, something yeah, Ellison. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was like, yeah, same guy. It's like, no, that's not the same guy. So there's a lot of titles that are familiar of like mm-hmm. encountering it, but uh, outside of City on the uh, Edge of Forever, uh, which I rewatched the other day because I was like, "When's the last yeah, time I saw Harlan's this?" Famous right, he hates he hates it so trip. much. It's just mm-hmm. like this is the one bit I I know of your work, and you would you he spent decades disowning it. It's just like, all right, man. Like I liked it, so maybe take yeah. take the take the take the W, man. But yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, but I've I have been uh, listening to the pod. And so the the various sort of uh, summaries and, and, and things of that nature, I'm like, oh, these mm-hmm. are really neat stories. And uh, I, I especially enjoy the segment we'll get to later with Harlan's parlance. Like his little turns <laughs> of phrases are very good, even though uh, yeah. he is uh, a very cantankerous human. <laughs> yes, none of this podcast should count as an endorsement of Harlan Ellison, <laughs> the man who is famously a dick. Uh, but... Unless not so funny. much so that I can't enjoy his work. Right. Like, it's not cancelable. He's just an asshole. Right. Um, all right. So let's, because uh, you guys do work with comics, let's dive into the look and look and layout. Like, I'm not very knowledgeable in this branch of visual arts other than just having opinions. Um, but what are your thoughts on this as executed as a comic? So for me, this is where it starts to kind of go downhill a bit. Because while the art is technically competent and good, it, first off, it is that 90s style that I just grew up beat like as a kid I was around, but it never made me want to read comics. What made me want to read comics was my dad's old Silver Age stuff. And mm. like this is I mean, there's a reason people refer to it as the Dark Age and whatnot of comics. Right. Um, but. I think there there's a couple of things that sort of hold it back to do with the art that are like specifically the design of Catman himself being just this big blocky emotionless looking guy who like he doesn't fit like with it, this isn't a a character that fits in with the motif or uh there's a lot of it, it's also kind of suffers from being I would argue too short, like even though it is for like an anthology collection, I I think one of the longer stories in that collection also. Yeah. But but like for me, a story like this, if you're not giving it like 15 pages, I mean, what are you doing a little bit like Mm. that for me? uh, Because like a standard comic book length is usually around 30 pages or was at one point. And that's at least, yeah, 24, 24, 30 and then yeah. a short like origin story tends to be about 15, 18. And so when you get any shorter than that, it starts to feel truncated. You start to lose continuity details of like, how did this person get to this place? And there's uh, it, it stuff just sort of happens. Like you don't see uh, interesting transitions. There's not, it, you're just going from we're in the built, we're at this apartment building and now we're underwater and now we're in this desert and we didn't really see how we got to those places. And that, and that bugs me a little bit on the level of, I think that this story needed more room to breathe and it is a celebrated sci-fi author. Why not give it that? Um, John Wick four, by the way, that also bothered me where it's like, he's in the desert. Now he's in the ocean. Now he's in space. (laughs) Right. Right. And and that's the thing is it's such a weird problem. Does he like shoot the plane all there? (laughs) Like what? I don't know. Yeah. And uh, and I think that the story also suffers a little bit from, because you could use that to insert more of the, the dialogue pieces, even though there's not a whole lot to add, you, you could get a little bit more, in there to make certain things clear because I read this thing like five times before I was like, okay, I've got all the pieces of what's happening here now. 
And the switch to the underground chamber where the cyborgs live is very jarring. Exactly. Like you th- feel like you missed the page. Exactly. Totally agree. Even felt that as a kid. It is definitely structured like a tragic origin story for a superhero. And I think this is a great point about adapting to a specific medium is you have to know that medium's pacing. Like as a short story, the amount of prose doesn't feel wrong right because you're used to any amount of prose being a short story um but when you adapt it to comic it feels rushed because we've read so many origin stories and there are more pages than this uh i find that really interesting that it's almost like a misstep of going it's like again sorry all my references are futurama but fry being like it took two hours to write i thought it would take two hours to read uh Uh, like you have to stretch to fit and know you know the size of the canvas or or even just more panels because this if even if it just had more panels showing without even slow you don't even need to add an additional word but like the panels that they do have are very large and like trying to make you feel this grandiose uh feeling of the space but then there's weird angles. Stuff is zoomed in too much. So you're not. Everything is dutched. Every page is every a splash. Single, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything is a dutch or a splash. And so you're not actually getting a, a good picture of the space that these people are in. And so you can't. It, it, it doesn't. It feels like a bunch of people in front of matte paintings. <laughs> yeah. Well, the comic it's, uh, yeah. it's the, the challenge being sort of and because other comics have figured out how to do it uh you have a sort of protagonist who is a teleporter so he can be wherever he wants mm. instantaneously and and sort of does uses that ability liberally throughout the story but you know so do a number of other comics characters and so you know you can do that without it being that same type of slightly disorienting um, but I, I feel like sort of disorienting is sort of part of the point, right? Is you're, you're really, you know, I don't know. It's not like it's a perfect adaptation of the short story, but it, to me, it kind of came, came through as a cohesive whole, uh, once you get to the un- end, even though the end is technically where it kind of falls apart a little bit, just because it's kind of hard, right. hard to track. But yeah, it does feel like a world that's uncanny. Like it's not <laughs> it's not speculations or extrapolations of current trends where you go, I see, you think people will use deep fakes to do this in the future. That makes sense. It's like alien. You're like, this society is so far in the future that their systems feel like a bunch of random bullshit to me. And you're right. like it's forbidden to bone the machine. You're like, okay, well, like you just have to accept all this. Well, and, um, one thing I will point out that is a contradiction is we, we kind of, we've been talking about it as a post need society, but mm-hmm. his wife wants him specifically to get, <laughs> to a, get promotion a promotion so that she can afford to be re oh, to be to rejuvenated. Be so she never dies. Right. Right. She gets so that clearly is like the, the one step that's left is that that's right. So there, there is in fact, uh, th- that's where I think this, this starts to come back into, this is secretly a dystopia, even though it's a utopia. Cause the one thing you can buy is that your life continues. Right. That and well, and then they also make a point that a bunch of people died, uh, when, when the sun goes to visit the, uh, the underwater city, they, mm-hmm. the, there was like a tsunami that killed a bunch of people or, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. He makes casual references to the fact that by the way. Like the poor people of the world are still dying by the millions and starving. We just, they're just over there or whatever. Right. But they don't show us any of that. They just, no, which again, like you said, it's back. a utopia masking a dystopia. Right. So that's, that's sort of the thing is that the son is the, the dad is defending a, a, an upper class, but we don't ever get a clear picture of him doing that. And I think that this also kind of suffers from that because when the dad does decide to help his son achieve his goal, um, Mm -hmm. we don't have a scene of him going, you know what? Maybe I should rethink this. We don't, we don't really get any of Catman's internal internal. I do think that's why he's drawn that way. I think it is the conscious choice of it's just that final panel payoff of, Oh, you can't even see it in his eyes because he's so stoic, but inside his heart is breaking. And it's like for the sake of that payoff, 
he's entirely emotionless throughout because that's the model like that's the design of the character and that doesn't work up until like it's like you sacrifice his ability to emote for one right and and if anything it would make it would make it more impactful if he was emoting more earlier and then you see him becoming the mask that way which is yeah comes back to why it doesn't really work as a batman thing because Bruce Wayne was a normal kid right up until his you're right. Died. It's so Judge Dredd. I mean, there's underground mutants in Judge Dredd. Right. Yeah. It's much more Judge Dredd. Yeah. yeah. But I guess I just meant Batman as the most iconic, tragic origin story, because that's yeah. really what it is, is it's like, here's yeah. a wacky superhero origin story. Yeah. Go ahead, Chase. Well, cause I ironically, uh, this if you made a series out of the Catman, uh, you <laughs> uh, this would be like issue what? three or four maybe so that you can understand why he is the way he is because you really in that run you want to get an idea of like what his adventures typically look like which is you know it's not relevant to the short story but it's just sort of like that's Mm -hmm. where this sort of like differs as an adaptation is sort of like this is not if you were to sort of do this as sort of uh, a series this is not where you start um, be, just because it it, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean anything uh, to sort of you know because that's that's why if these these type of flashbacks for a sort of character who's badass happen later in the narrative so that you go oh well he's a badass but also he's got a tragic backstory where his uh, you know mm-hmm. uh, shitty son murders his terrible wife you know so it's just like <laughs> and he's sad about it <laughs> and he's sad about it i guess um, but we don't have to understand him he's catman um, <laughs> but yeah it's uh i get what you mean like not enough wind up for the punch to be as powerful as you'd expect for sure uh it does feel but i think that's that actually opens the door to something harlan does a lot which i like which is the meta understanding of he definitely has a substrata of stories where he's like, you know what story I'm referencing? This type of story. Here's my twist on it. Let's go home. Like, I'm not going to give you the time to invent because I'm just commenting on the genre and you know what genre. Like, he has this one great one called The End of the Time of Leonard, which is about a, like, it's almost like Who Shot Liberty Valance. It's about a sheriff who brought law to the town but now the town has real like modern law and no one needs him anymore and they consider him like a violent relic and he gets relegated to being like a drunk with a twisted arm in in this new society that has no place for him and again you're like if this was a series this would be eight episodes then this episode but i think he just can't be bothered because he only wrote a couple novels and he wrote thousands of short stories i think his mind works so fast that he's just like you know one of those westerns but then like this happens all right next story next story yeah uh, and you know if you like that if, if you like it if not you don't uh i did want to ask no not the philosoph- not the big philosophical question i will say that for last but uh how do you guys go about adapting a story from prose to a comic or do you explicitly work with writers who write comic scripts like I just mean for impossible worlds. Like, how are you going about building the, your comic pieces? Um, well, for me, I wrote the first uh, comic piece, which was uh, Colleen and Eddie Freelancers, which is about mm-hmm. some space aliens dispensing some space justice. And <laughs> for that, for me, I always write in script form. It's just, it's just where my, okay. it's where I live because I can lay out any room, any space, and just really like I, I love to play in different spaces visually uh and so it's that's Mm. just my process um up until now any comic that we have had has been explicitly for comic uh adaption it's not it's not being adapted you haven't adapted anything then that's a really stupid cul-de-sac question for me to ask i I don't i I will say there is i I won't say i will say not necessarily because i will say that there is on that subject i do think it is a very difficult thing to adapt a prose work to a comic um unless you are taking the time to make it a longer piece uh a -hmm. lot of the ones that i have encountered are from this very era of transferring science fiction to uh 
short stories into comic the, and uh, most of them don't. recent one sorry just shout quick shout out to the one alex schmidt and i covered from last year the slaughterhouse five adaptation very good highly recommend yeah um, sorry to interrupt yeah no that that's very good uh and it's funny because this is from dark house which our dark horse which is known for doing that extremely well um mm-hmm. but you can tell that they're very much in their infancy because this this has those aforementioned layout problems uh but and well, Ann Harlan's a control freak and yeah. he was editor of this. Yeah. So like, it's really like letting, you know, uh, what's his name? Frank Sin City guy. You know, it's like letting him direct his own movie. And you're mm-hmm. like, well, that sucked because uh, <laughs> genius in one form doesn't necessarily translate. Right. So I think it might suffer. Like you can't put it at all at the hooves of Dark Horse in the sense that Harlan probably did whatever he wanted. He's like a famous old man at this point. Right. And I think, I, and that's the thing is I've seen a lot of them that don't do as well, but the ones that I have seen that do well, like the Slaughterhouse Five one or uh, a few years ago, I was, I was big as a kid into the Redwall books by Brian Jakes. And so mm. that had a graphic novel adaption that was also very good. And, th- and that was somebody who was Brian Jakes was extremely involved in the production of that, but he also, understood the media uh, um, better and understood that you need to put everything in like you you need to be Mm -hmm. able to put everything in uh and not just kind of skim across it uh and that's where most of them kind of have their issues Mm -hmm. um when they do (laughs) so how do you decide how much story to bite off because colleen and eddie is fewer pages than this it's no it's more it's 18 it's more it's 18 okay okay great yeah so colleen and eddie is felt breezier maybe that's because this is so dense because he's trying to cram well and that's the thing is that that that's deliberate on my part i wanted it to be have a little bit of focus more on atmosphere and having like a lighter story to let things to let to not overwhelm a reader with here's all the stuff about my world now now you know everything and now here's the tiny part that's actually story relevant um, I felt that yeah, I had more space. Yeah, exactly, sure. and that's the, and that's my thing is that it, it, you should always let your story breathe and and let your mm. your your reader uh, just kind of sit with it a little bit. Um, yeah, because then you got to pay the artist more for more drawings. Yeah, see? but you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, it it, it was I mean, worth what are it. We doing here, yeah. Right? Are we I, making I, a comic or are we making a comic? Right, exactly. It's <laughs> like, that's my thing. You know, if I if I could, you know, if I could pay every artist, you know, ten thousand dollars per page, I would. But you know, mm-hmm. I'm not in that position. But I yet we do yeah. we do pay right <laughs> contributors. World. So. Yeah, we do pay. get paid. <laughs> uh, go ahead, James. Uh, I was going to say that uh, we've pitched a handful of writers who we haven't heard back from yet. Uh, there was a handful that we got as bros that because they had such heavy visual components as sort of the uh, mm-hmm. core of it, we pitched uh, like, hey, this if you can get an artist or you need help finding an artist, this might actually work better as a, mm. as a comic just because the pros kind of... It can, it kind of doesn't work as prose, but it's not like because it doesn't work. Or the it, prose it, is just transparent, but the idea is super good. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's like I'm thinking one in particular where the jokes would have worked better. Ah, if you could see ah, them instead of reading them. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so we've we've yeah. done that type of thing. So has uh, one of those yeah. stuck or gone through to like is is in issue three? Not no, yet. Not yet. Not yet but I mean, uh, it is. That's the thing is that you know early if, days. If we could, we would we would be trying to get way more uh, comics involved in in this, um, like really any media, because it, yeah. I, I would I would love for this what we do to be as broad as possible and in as many formats as possible eventually. But uh, like you said, comic art is more expensive, and that does create a little bit of a barrier. But certainly we, than printing words, yes, right. Uh, <laughs> I mean that's the thing. Even the we we make the commitment to put a cover art piece with every single story and that mm-hmm. adds up after and they're really good yeah 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 i was so excited to see the art that was paired with my story yeah uh okay so right we'll probably hop on to harlan's parlance and then the, the much hated joke segment but i did want to ask the big philosophical question that i think this story speaks to or is trying to whether you think they stuck the landing or not uh, do you think morally it's more important what people do or 
what they what their intent is, like what they think and feel, or what balance of those things is important, or are both equally important. Thoughts? Uh, uh, yeah, you go ahead. Uh, I'm yeah. a yeah. I tough, I had a more <laughs> constructed. Sort. Well, I'm a I'm a why uh, guy. I I I feel like because I I go back. My first thought is, will billionaires give to charity, but they do it for taxes, and so it's just like sure. And and then because there's uh you know the whole conversation around sort of like the ethics of that because you know then they get control and they're using it for power, and so it's just like okay, how good is this donation if the intent behind it sucks? So there's a lot of things where the why ends up being more important than, than the more doing important, of it, at least right? in the abstract idea space of what morality is. Yes, I always think correct. about Ender's Game, the very first one, and I do mm-hmm. think this was the through the point of the thrust of the book, where there's two brothers and one's very kind-hearted but accidentally causes genocide and is hated and goes down in history as like a hit a space Hitler, and the other brother is a brutal, sadistic piece of shit who saves the galaxy purely to stoke his own ego, but he saves the galaxy. So like, who's good and who's bad? Steven, final word on this. Uh, So I'm going to give the pretentious answer, uh, Mm -hmm. which is that uh, to other people, what you do matters. To you, the why matters. Uh, (laughs) Because other people can't get in your head. So it doesn't, like, if they see you, you know, you know, shooting a gun somewhere they're gonna be yeah, like shoot what? your son into the fuck computer right and that's what they'll judge you by <laughs> right so it's 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 all about that perception baby <laughs> huh and yet i really resonate with chase on like i'm not bill gates i'm looking yep. at him from the outside but i just had dinner with some very wealthy friends of the family mm-hmm. and they made that argument that i hear a lot you know, Bill Gates has given more to charity than you'll ever give in your Mm -hmm. life. So really it's good that billionaires exist. No, it's really not. And it does matter that even though he gave away X amount, it's 2% of his, like, it doesn't matter how much he gives. It's the idea that a human can do anything that makes them worth a billion times the value of another human. That is a ludicrous, impossible statement to hang a system around. Oh, absolutely. yeah. There can be a high score, but you it's pointless after a you know what I mean? Yeah. I yeah. So not right. to get too political, but I'm like, I totally agree with Chase that it burns me up or like, I wanna know oh, why people do stuff. And yet I think I'm on the what side. I don't know. I think it's an unanswerable question, which is why it's fun. To I discuss. mean, you know, I think, you know, when it comes down to it, if 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 you mm-hmm. can't answer it, Batman begins can, because that was literally the whole point of <laughs> that's literally like yeah. the big line. From that movie, and we will hear we will cut in Batman Begins in its entirety here. Yep, and then we come from back. Twitter. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's shift into Harlan's parlance. Uh, this is just where we call out any. I mean, ma- since it's a comic, maybe we'll have to describe the frame if we have a frame of interest. You don't have to have anything. The only thing I brought uh, is the very first two or three panels, and I don't think we've hit on this yet, which I think is another just cool one-off sci-fi concept that almost shouldn't be here because it's too much shit is crammed in. Mm -hmm. But I did like that in the future, there are talking waterfalls dotted all around the city that say, that talk people out of killing themselves. They're like suicide prevention babbling brooks. I'm like, uh, I love the simple dystopia utopia immediate connotation of that Mm -hmm. you're like oh it's a society that's so awesome that they have free suicide prevention in the form of a beautiful waterfall okay but why is everyone needing to be talked out of killing themselves right why is this so it implies both so neatly that i just think that's a cool concept that's all i really got it uh it actually bookends the the story is presented in the comic. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, because it comes back. It, co- it to comes sort of imply Catman is considering ending it all. Right. Yeah, because that's that's the thing is because uh, it it tells us right away about Neil of like oh this guy is like you know doesn't want to exist yeah. anymore. Well, and here's the funny thing about that. I actually think. That it doesn't actually know what your specific mindset is. I think it only gets impressions because the son doesn't necessarily want to die. He just wants to fuck a robot. And then the dad like is just society in a major it's, way. It's sensing yeah. like vague anxieties and things. 
And so I like the idea of it. It's just like somebody's just kind of having an off day and it's just like, hey, man, don't kill yourself. And it's like, I mean, I wasn't. I just, you know, I didn't. Get- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does it target anyone? You're like, whoa, whoa, yeah. what? Well, I wasn't even thinking about that. I, now I am. Why'd you put that in my head? Oh, God, uh, I think I need to kill myself. <laughs> any other good juicy lines or moments to call out as either good or hilariously bad? I, yes. I loved this interaction when he's hanging out with the crime people. Uh, and one of the guys is like standard and pores index close today, up eight points today. Uh, and then Neil's all like, what about all the standard poor bastards who were wiped out when this tsunami <laughs> hit two weeks ago, which is to me was a very Harlan kind and of I'm like, like, I, turnaround. I'm almost surprised Just someone like... hasn't done that before. That's so obvious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I really like that. Also, I really like the the panel where they show uh, the underwater because there's a dude riding a shark, and it's like that's yeah. just cool. Also, <laughs> just the underwater uh, sex bubble that he has sex with Joyce in. The artist decided to judiciously cover their genitals, but with a white cloud, which only makes it seem more dirty because now they're swimming in cum. Like, am I am I crazy? Oh, about see, that? I, I read that as that was the uh, that was the artist doing the traditional uh, anime shower clouds. That's what I. That, oh, okay. It's steam. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so steamy. It's yeah. Titanic style. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's what that is. So. Which also makes you go, why is that yeah, in the bubble? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> okay, I think enough. Yeah, yeah. no, no yeah. more. Yeah. All right, all right, yeah. good. No, yes. We everybody gets one. Uh, okay, that brings us to my favorite part of the show that everyone hates, which is making people write jokes. So I just want jokes to exist that only people who have read specific Harlan Ellison stories will get because I like the idea that surely no one's done this before. These are like the only jokes in the universe on this topic. Uh, so did you both bring three Catman jokes or did you write three together? Uh, we wrote three together, but one of them is a participation one. So that will kind of even it out a little bit. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how to parse this because of that, but why don't you guys go first with whoever wants to deploy your first Catman joke? Uh, Chase, you can go ahead with your yours, your personal one. Uh, instructions unclear. Dick stuck in the computer. Uh, have you have you tried unfucking it and fucking it in again? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's not my joke. We're alternating. My joke is. Sadly, Catman can't have sex with the machine because the barbs on his penis are incompatible with Thunderbolt C. Uh, I, I almost went with something similar to that, but I was like, nah. So I'm glad. I mean, it's a good, it's a classic cat joke. Right, so. right, right. Uh, back to you. Yeah. Uh, so my, my God, Neil, look at you. That thing eats what it loves. I know, Dad. It's called Vor. <laughs> Oh, if I would love, man, because you're so crotchety, but he liked keeping up with technology. Mm-hmm. Harlan on Twitter would have been a fucking nightmare, like a delicious oh, nightmare. Oh, just a, a agent. I, I yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, like uh, Joyce Carol Oates. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's She's a spicy follow. It's true. Uh, okay. Joke number two from the Slamester. You know the most horrible part of this whole thing? Catwoman only makes 70 cents to the dollar that Catman makes. <laughs> got him uh, first one was better yeah so you bury the weak one in the middle that's yeah, an yeah. old comedy trick yeah, yeah, yeah back to you uh and then the last <laughs> one is a simpsons joke um so it's just uh so chase you you just chase you do the the uh, middle part of it so son you can do anything you want i have total faith in you since it's your mother wet. yelled at me <laughs> and tweaked her nipple uh, right at camera <laughs> tweaked her nipple. and last but not least does a cat man scat in the woods oh cat man do cause he's the cat man speaking of like early Always. 2000s shit yeah yeah man uh, All right. Perfect. Yeah. Well, perfect. I think this episode is legitimately more interesting than that comic is. <laughs> a <little bit. laughs> like as a piece of media, which is cool. That's rarely true. But thank you for uh, helping me have a great conversation about like an eh 
Harlan Ellison story. Uh, please let people know. Like, hit them again with those names, where they can follow you, how they can stay on top of Impossible Worlds, Issue 3, all that good stuff. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. I'll shout out real mm. real quick. I did find the collection. It's It was in Approaching Oblivion. Ah, okay, that's a good one. Approaching is available yeah. digital, digitally at your potential local library is not available digitally for sale only oh wow place. i do have one but yeah so if you're looking yeah. for this story in prose form it's approaching oblivion and that reminds me of my final note sorry thank you chase uh i will in the show notes of this slash tweet out or do an x about if you will uh, uh a, a google folder where you can find the comic version if you want to read that uh, yeah. Now plug. Perfect. Yeah, so uh, you can find us uh, at www.impossibleworlds.net. Uh, that is the website for the comic currently. Our first issue is free, and our second issue will also be released for free uh, so that y'all can get uh, a little taste of what we do uh, it, uh, once this releases. And then uh, we will have our, our third issue will be releasing uh, in September Uh uh, so very very soon a couple weeks from now and then uh, if you if you like it support us on patreon we're only uh, quarterly right now but if we can get more people you know reading what we do and uh, supporting us that allows us to pay more writers allows us uh, to help out more people get the creative juices out uh, which is really what this is all, what we do is all about like we write a little bit it's all yeah, about if we can if out. we can help other people do that you know whether they write for us or fuck a computer you know no judgment yeah well they'll pay you in either form exactly uh but really do if you're listening to this podcast that means you have more interest in science fiction as written art than most people in the world. So please support it. I like, I often talk to friends about how I wish I was born in the thirties. So I could have been alive in the fifties, sixties. So many things were shitty, but one thing that existed was you could make a career out of just writing sci-fi short stories in magazines. Uh, and that's still such a noble art form. These guys have good taste. They pick good stories, including some of mine that I'm proud to have in there. And, uh, I think if you check out the free issues, you'll like it enough to hop on board the Patreon. So please do. Uh, I think that's all we got. Yeah. Thanks again, fellas. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Till so next much. time, this has been like Razorblade Pie. We're out! <laughs>